Before we get started, I wanted to remind you that the Meanie Kime show featuring Lenny is presented by DraftKings, America's top-rated daily fantasy app. It's Super Week, and KJZ on ESPN Radio weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern brings you the insights of former Super Bowl champion Keyshawn Johnson, along with co-hosts Jay Williams and Zubin Mahenti. KJZ is also available as a podcast after every show. Welcome to the Mina Kime Show featuring Lenny, the only NFL podcast where one of the hosts thinks the smash concept is what his mom does to his food before putting it in his bowl. That's Lenny. I'm Mina Kimes. And I am delighted today to not only be talking about the Super Bowl, obviously, at all, everything's led up to this, but I feel like I have the perfect guest for this episode. It's his second time on our podcast. He has his own podcast called Jeff Schwartz is Smarter Than You. That revealed his name because it's in the name of his podcast. It's Jeff Schwartz. Thank you so much for joining us this week, Jeff. I am glad to be here. Uh, I'm doing much better than the GameStop stock is right now, so things are are looking up for me. I'm excited to talk about the Super Bowl. <laughs> GameStop feels like already like five weeks ago. That's how like the, so many things happen now all the time that um, it already it, it was not. It wasn't even a week ago, but um, I've already I I'm, I. I've moved past my GameStop jokes. I was making one on maybe every ESPN program uh, and did not get a lot of light laughs out of Adam Schefter, sadly. Uh, But Jeff, you know, okay. So first of all, a little housekeeping. We're going to talk about the Super Bowl. We're going to break down both sides of the ball. But uh, the Rams kind of threw a wrench into our plans to focus entirely on the game. So I I want... I'm going to talk a lot more about the Rams and the Lions and the Matt Stafford, Jared Goff trade as the offseason goes on. But I do want to take some time today to give initial thoughts on that. So I was thinking halftime break today, instead of taking questions, you and I can, you know, just, I won't say grade the trades, but just give our initial thoughts. Um, I'm, I've let it marinate. I've gone through, like, I think this is a, it, it's a fascinating trade for, like bigger picture reasons that go far beyond the two teams, like philosophical yep. football reasons. But um, it's also a trade where I think you can legitimately, it's not like, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, where I was like, I don't really, like, we're really going to talk about this. This is an insane trade. This trade, I feel like you can make a case for and against the Rams. And I've heard people do it. So I'm, I want to hear your thoughts on that. But um, first, I want to hear your thoughts on, Obviously, the game, the Chiefs, and you're a great guest in every way. You're very smart and analytical, and you cover the league. But you are ideal right now because I don't think there's a single more important thing in this football game that's more likely to swing the game or enable the Tampa Bay to pull off an upset than the Chiefs' offensive line. And you are not only a former offensive lineman, your brother is... One of the reasons why backups are, I mean, yes. that, that was worded very weirdly by me, but your brother was starting <laughs> tackle for the Chiefs. It is not the Chiefs have done musical chairs across the offensive yeah. line. They lost to left tackle Eric Fisher in the AFC Championship. At this point, the only player, I believe, who's starting at the position he started week one is the center, Austin Ryder. Yeah. So I think we should start on that side of the football and start with the offensive line. Because do, first and foremost, do you agree with me that this is like the single most important thing in this game? It is. Um, and I, I tried to rack my brain. I wrote for, for Fox Sports about this um, this exact topic is that I can't think of a team who even made the Super Bowl yes. who had a worse situation offensive line 
than the Chiefs. Most of the time you make the Super Bowl because you're healthy. Like that's number one reason. You're just the last team standing. Obviously the Chiefs have Pat Mahomes, but the rest of the team is very healthy except their offensive line. Like you mentioned, they're now moved a right tackle to left tackle. Their left tackle, their left guard uh, has played 14 games because their left guard got hurt in week five of the season. Their center, Austin Ryder, you mentioned him. He actually got benched this year. People forgot about that because they had so many injuries. He had to go back in the game. Andrew Wiley, the right guard, is only starting this year because Larry took the season off to be, stay in Montreal to fight COVID. And now Andrew Wiley's playing right tackle because Mike Remmers went to left tackle. And now they put in Steven Wesnewski to play right guard. It's that complicated up front. And against this Bucks defensive line, it's a huge advantage for, for Tampa Bay for multiple reasons. One is obviously the pass rush, right? We saw last weekend they had all five of their sacks I believe on only four man rushes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, they did a great job of scheming up JPP against uh, Billy Turner. Shaq Barrett had three sacks, but some of those were because JPP forced Rodgers kind of back out the pocket. And they did a great job of just scheming the rush together. So, why is that important that you can get home with four guys? Because Pat Mahomes is so good against pressure. You cannot pressure Pat Mahomes. You just can't do it. By pressure, I mean blitz, right? Um, and we saw this year the best game plan was what the Falcons did in week 16. Even though the Chiefs, I don't know how hard they were trying, and what what the Bills did in week six, which was the Falcons ran a lot of simulated pressure. So they brought four, but it was a different combination of four, which works well against a lot of, a lot of teams, but it works well against the Chiefs. And then also what the Bills did in week six, which was we're going to play too high, and we're going to rush the passer, and we're going to let them run the football, and hopefully they don't score 35 points. And all these things work really well when the offensive line is beat up for the Chiefs and the Bucs can rush the passer. And lastly, too, Mina, is we know that that pressure situations are typically third and long. And you and you can mitigate some third and longs by running the football, by doing some things with quick passes and whatnot. But this Chiefs offensive line is not going to run block very well against this Tampa Bay front. And by the way, they don't even care because they don't care to run the football anyways. So we might have situations where the where it is third and longer just because they will try to run the ball. I mean, Andy will try to establish it somehow, and it might be via the jet sweep or some sort of quick pass to the sideline, but they're going to be in third and long, I think, more than they would like to. And I, I caution you to think about last year. People say the Chiefs cannot be stopped. They had 10 points with seven minutes left in that game last season. It can be done. And last year, you saw San Francisco had the most talented front in the NFL in the postseason yeah. and it really it, t- it took until the end of the game not only because you know Mahomes had made some godlike plays in the fourth quarter but also that pass rush got a little bit tired as the yeah. game went on and they kind of lacked depth and I think you could totally see it playing out the same way this year against Tampa where it's the fourth quarter and Shaq and JPP are a little bit tired and finally yeah. Patrick can punish them even if they're down but you know like I went on SVP last night Jeff and um yeah. I said, I'm so glad I'm on your show Monday because you're going to hear Rush with Four so many times between now and Sunday. You're going to absolutely, it's going to be the new Scoop There It Is. Actually, no, Scoop There It Is will never get old, but Rush with Four does get old. And, but it's true. It's just like blitzing Pat Mahomes is a death wish. Uh, You saw the Bills tried a little bit because they just kind of ran out of shit to do last week. Um, but, uh, you just can't, I mean, it's, it's a nightmare. And and, in the last time these two teams played Todd Bowles blitz less than normally. I mean, typically the bucks have one of the blitz happiest teams in the NFL, but he dialed that down in a big way from like 38 to 24%. And I don't anticipate that changing, especially as you pointed out, given 
how strong JPP and Shaq Barrett have been throughout the whole offseason, not just in the Green Bay. They rank the Green Bay game. They rank first and second in, in ESPN's NFL pass rush win rate. Um, so I, I think from a pressure standpoint, it, we know the Bucks are going to take that approach. Let me ask you this. You talked a little bit about, you mentioned the jet sweeps. Yeah. Um, you know, you saw Chiefs doing a little bit of that to neutralize Miles Garrett in the Browns game. Like, what can Kansas City do? So they're they're playing behind, and, and you can speak to this from experience. When you when you have that sort of ramshack, like I'm not saying that you're experienced being on ramshackle offensive lines, but knowing the position and what kind of yeah. plays you can and can't run when you're that disadvantage, what can Kansas City? Do like we? I feel like we always just assume everything's so easy for Patrick Mahomes, and it's like yeah. just dial up one of those winking and ears, and you know, <laughs> um, a little shovel pass with the bumps, you know. But yeah. realistically, what can Andy Reid and Patrick do to compensate for what I think is a dramatic mismatch yeah. in the trenches? Well, a couple things. Look, people talk about communication and whatnot. This is a veteran group, even though they're playing at different spots. You know, Wisniewski was on the team last season. He played left guard in the Super Bowl. Like, he's a veteran. He's won two Super Bowls. He played with the Eagles in, in the Super Bowl run, even though he has not been on the Chiefs very very much this year. He knows what he's doing. Andrew Wiley has been there for multiple years now. So his rider. Now, the left guard, Alec Gretti, has not been there very long. And Mike Remmers is a veteran. He knows what to do. So knowing what to do, it won't be the problem. And I think Andy Reid will still call the same game plan. The difference is obviously is that the execution up front might be different, right? So if you call, let's say, a shovel pass, which they love to do in sh- you know, short yard, especially in the low red zone, you know, maybe that double team between the right guard and the right tackle now is just not as good because you know Wisniewski and, and Wiley haven't had a rep of that in full, you know, full speed yet. And it's just not as good, right? And now you get a one-yard play, not a four-yard play. So it's little moments like that, I think, where it will matter in the run game. Now, in the pass game, the goal, obviously, is to throw the ball out quickly. And with the with the Bucks' pass rush, we talked about it, obviously, heavily. Their secondary was really good last weekend. And if you look at a lot of the sacks that were in Rodgers, no one was open either. And the Bucs are going to have to pair up the secondary with the pass rush and hope that, hey, mm. we, can, we can slow down enough of what they do uh, in the pass game, at least quick pass game, to get to Mahomes – and affect him. Uh, something that always people always talk about, I, I love to debunk because it's really interesting. People will say, and they're going to listen to this and say, hey, you know what? The Chiefs should, should chip, you know, should help the left tackle, help the right tackle. Well, well no, you don't want to do that because do you want Travis Kelsey on a route or do you want him blocking? Yeah. Do you want him blocking, right? You you want, if you watch the best pass offenses, when they play a good pass rush, what do they do? They spread everyone out because then you the, the defense has to spread out itself has to declare what they're doing, and you throw the ball quickly. So I expect a lot of empty from the Chiefs. I would expect a lot of quick passes from them. They haven't done a lot of screens in the playoffs, and I do wonder if that is because that is a very detail-oriented part of the of, of your offense, and without these guys having played their positions very often, Andy might stay away from those just because, like, uh, you know, that's you got to be the right point at the right time, and if you screw it up, it's a bad play. Maybe he stayed away from that. Because they haven't done a lot of that. That's been- yeah, I actually have been wondering about that. And I've been wondering if it has to do with the blocking. Because you're right, if you get blown up, that's a negative play. Whereas with the jet sweeps and the RPOs, he can count on his... Not only can he count on Patrick Mahomes in the case of the RPOs, talk about that in yeah. a second, but he can count on you know Hill, Hardman, etc. to manufacture yards after the catch off to get the jet sweeps. Because like, what defenses have done to the Chiefs? What they've done... 
much of the season. And I think Tampa Bay did after initially sacrificing Carlton Davis to Tyree Kill for an entire quarter is sad, which they're not going to do at this game, guys. No. Um, even though they played a ton of press all the postseason, they will change that, at least uh, against Tyree Kill. But the demons have sat back in too deep and said, hey, please run the ball. Please, please. Every Kansas City run is a freaking victory. If you're a Bucks fan, you are pumping your fist yes. every time they hand the ball off. Yes. And so what Mah- or what Mahomes and um, Biennemi and Reed have done in response is, okay, you're going to take away the vertical threat, so we're going to use our horizontal speed. And sometimes we're going to pop one off because our guys are that fast and our play designs are that good. I think one of the things that's made this such a special season for Mahomes is his He's really, I wouldn't say developed, but he's taken another step forward as a quick passer, which you didn't see as much um, his first two seasons in the NFL. And you saw right out the gate this year with the Texans game. Do you remember that? Week one. Oh, yeah. He comes out. Yeah. I remember talking to Mitch about this um, early in the season when he was playing. He goes, yeah, like Mahomes just takes what they give him now. Like that's that's a big difference. And so cool. And. It, you know, but interesting you said that because there are times this year when he does stray from that and he tries to make too big of a play. And it typically happens when the offense is kind of slow to start the game. Mm-hmm. And we've seen that, you know, this season kind of the Chiefs just like meander around and kind of not play as hard as we think they should. And then in the second half of games, trying to spark a little bit of offense, he then tries to do too much. And so if the Chiefs are able to, to come out hot, come out efficient, I think we'll see a big part of the offense. Being being that, and I've thought about that as well, meaning because you know my favorite concept, all of our favorite concept is four verts, right? And Kansas City does that more than anyone else when they're running their normal offense. We haven't seen that very much the back half of the season. They have not run a lot of four verts. To your point, teams are playing a bunch of too high. Yeah. It's hard to run those consistently with safeties playing very deep and very off. And Mahomes is doing a great job of finding little creases. You mentioned that you know RPO Tyreek Hill, boom, seventy yards later at the five yard line. It's, that's how simple it can be for them. It's the RPO, I mean, in week 12, they absolutely obliterated them with RPOs. Just yes, gash, yeah. gash. They could not run the ball for anything. But um, I feel like every CAH carry was like two yards or something. But um, the RPOs were deadly. And again, it's like, okay, if you're going to sit back, this is what we will do. Because the Chiefs take the, the Chiefs have like elevated the RPO um, through a combination of the fact that they have the fastest players in the world. Um, the fact they have very innovative play callers who break tendency all the time and move those players around like chess pieces. And then the fact that they have a quarterback who can throw from any arm angle off of any platform, which it's, we were talking about this a little bit on live today. Like we never see highlights of Mahomes' RPOs because they're RPOs and we'd rather see him, you know, launching the ball 40 yards downfield after evading like four pass rushers or whatever. But when you rewatch the games, and this was something that jumped out to me upon rewatching week 12, some of those are some of his coolest plays because it's almost like he's like, um, like a gunslinger, like from the old West. Cause the ball has to come out so hot, right. Off an RPO. And he'll be like falling to his side and go pew pew. And all of a sudden the ball's like, boom. And it's, perfectly placed in Tyreek Hill to get him yards after the catch. And it's a play that Mahomes only can make, even though it's only for like seven yards. It's stupid. I I couldn't imagine playing defense against him because you can do everything right. And he just makes you look stupid. Like, and I play with some good quarterbacks. I play with with Eli Manning. I play with Alex Smith. 
Um, you know, they're good. Eli might may we get in debate about his Hall of Fame candidacy another time. Um, and they were great. And it was fun to play with those guys. I couldn't imagine playing with Mahomes, man. Like he does stuff like his arm, your arm with throwing a football, you should not be able to throw like a baseball. It's, that's not how you should be able to throw the ball like that. Like it it's there there are no words to explain some of the throws he makes. I mean, even against Buffalo, the he, the one the one that like third window throw to Travis Kelsey where he pumped it's like how do you if you're Buffalo, you're just like, oh, well, he just screwed, I guess. He just beat us again. Like, what do you do? And so I think that part of playing defense against against Pat and maybe the second time around Tampa just mentally will be more prepared for it. It's like you're going to have the right defense called. He's just going to make you look stupid. And you have to forget about that. You cannot wallow in pity that he beat your perfect call. And you just have to get ready to play the next game. Because that, that stuff is demoralizing. Defense is a very emotional position. And if you – don't get help from your offense. You're just not as good. Also, they just, you know, if you just get, if you just get beat like on a call that you that was right, that sucks. On offense, we don't worry about that as much. If we get, if they call cover three and we get, you know, third and eight and we throw a complete pass, like, oh well, we'll just do it again next time. But defensively, they get bummed when that happens, and it's so demoralizing for a defense. Let's talk a little bit about the defense. So we agree that up front they have an advantage. Like I know we're, we've just been oozing over Patrick Mahomes and how crazy he is and the skill players. But like, again, this is like, this is what, if any team other than the Chiefs was coming to Super Bowl with this offensive line, there was no chance in hell they would be favored to win. Okay. No, like, no chance in hell. And meanwhile, like I said, JPP and Shaq Barrett have been incredible the postseason. Um, and then to say nothing too, in getting Vea back, which is what enables the four man rush. Like every time they, uh, condense the pocket Rogers would step right up into one of those big boys so that's a problem but the issue for the Tampa is okay what happens if the rush doesn't get home Patrick Mahomes does get the ball off how do you approach this from a coverage standpoint beyond what we said sitting back in zone a bit more because in week 12 Travis Kelsey let's see I he six of his eight catches were when a linebacker was the nearest defender. So let me ask you that. How do you stop that from happening? How do you not, because I wrote down 45, 54, 45, 54. How do you not um, end up in that situation with Travis Kelsey? Well, against zone coverage, you're kind of screwed, right? Unless they go to that that one by three, right? That nub formation, which they're the best in the NFL at. They put, Ty, you know, they put Kelsey by himself and then they put Tyreek Hill in the slot, right? He's number three. And they, they just, it's almost impossible to guard that. Um, you know, I, I, I think sometimes the best defense is scoring points on offense. Like, I, I, I don't know if you don't get home with the rush, you're not going to cover these guys. Like that's just not going to happen. We, we've seen no, we've seen no one be able to slow the chiefs down with Pat Mahomes. If you don't, if you do not hit him, if you give him time, you will die. Like there's no, there's no, I can't think of a game where it was like, you know, he just Pat had all day to throw and just sucked. <laughs> it doesn't like it doesn't happen, and so I think you you combat that by obviously pressuring him. If you can't do that, your offense has got to put the pressure on the Chiefs' offense. It just keep you have to keep scoring for Tampa Bay's offense, like nonstop. Go for it on fourth down. Every play you've ever drawn up has got to be in this week, and you keep the pressure on them by forcing them to just keep scoring and keep up with you. I, I don't know if there's a great, like, Hey, run, just run cover two. Um, I mean, even Bill Belichick, like he's played them four times now and he's allowed 
40, 31, 24, twice, I think, or 23. Um, and what they did is they just did multiple coverages, but I'm not sure that that's what Tampa de- defense does best, right? Bill Belichick is, you know, one play, he'll run a version of cover one, then quarters, then he'll run cover three, then he'll run a different version of cover one. That's not really what Tampa Bay does. And so I think they, they true themselves to stay in two man and just kind of hope that you don't get beat deep. So in Mahomes's losses, he has nine career losses. He's averaged 31.3 points per game. Yeah. So uh, you got to score is a, a shy, I guess. You heard it here first, folks. You got to outscore the Chiefs to beat the Chiefs. Um, I, I, I just want to stress like, this is not a lost cause because of the what we've been talking about, the offensive line. It is really, um, as you described earlier, Jeff, Like I, I really can see a situation in which they end up in some third and uncomfortables, especially in the first three quarters of this game. Um, I, you know, The other thing I would add is just like, you really need to take advantage, uh, whether it's, I don't know, weird special teams, mishaps or yeah. uh, I mean that's such a it's such an obvious and dumb thing to say but um yeah if we're looking for the formula for an upset and we're starting with you know getting pressure with four and we'll get to the offense momentarily I can't I would be remiss not to add that uh you know something like if they fumble <laughs> the ball you got to recover it Tampa <laughs> they have to force turnover at the same rate they've been doing like you, you cannot have a turnover free game on defense really and win this game like you have to force turnovers at the rate you've been doing against new orleans and green but even if it's not three it's two i mean you gotta do something you can't just you're not going to force enough three and outs and enough points um you know to to make this a close game unless you turn them over a couple times and no dumb penalties which is something that they've improved on as the season has gone along the tampa bay defense. they have yes so. uh they and dominican sue I, I wonder if they can bait him into that it's always fun to do that um all right well Let's take a quick break. We're going to talk about the other side of the football, which I, they're both quite interesting, but I want to talk about the Stafford trade and what it means. So let's take a quick break and then get to that. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit style pizza in the country, there's no competition. And I have to say, speaking from experience recently, having tried it for the first time in Detroit, it is absolutely delicious. Right now, you can get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest 
with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Show today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Show. M-I-N-A-S-H-O-W. So, Jeff, what I'm just going to put you right on the spot. What grade would you give the Los Angeles Rams? Uh, going right to grades. Uh, the two the two things I hate the most in this in this football comp. You always just got to say B. B is, is safe. Is Can't grade, go wrong. Grades and draft comps. Oh, like draft comps drive me crazy. Um, uh, I for the Rams, I think it's an A because it gives them a better Ooh. chance to win now. Okay, so you are I, loving it. Okay. Well, I, I'm okay. Here's here's the reason why. I'm a cowardly is, B. Is I'm I'm of the opinion that you should go all in when you think you have a chance to win a Super Bowl. And they think that Stafford gives them a better chance to win, go all in. I'm not of the opinion, by the way, that draft picks don't matter. I think they've they've heavily, um, you know, uh, what's the right word? Uh, mortgage their future, right, to win now. But if they feel they have a chance to do it, I'm okay with teams going for it. I think you should – I mean, look, and the best example, obviously, is Kansas City training up for Pat Mahomes, right? They were close – and they just did it. They went ahead and did it. And I'm fine with – so I give them an A for, for effort, essentially, right? Um, now, is there a chance they become Houston Texans by 2024? Yes. Um, if, if this doesn't work, they won't have a – you know they'll, they'll need a new coach and they'll need a quarterback and they'll have no draft picks. That's definitely possible, <laughs> which I would – I kind of lean that, that that's probably closer to what will happen than win a Super Bowl for a couple of reasons. But I give them an A for effort, man. Like, I, I – I can't say like the Browns should go draft another quarterback, which I kind of believe instead of paying Baker Mayfield. And then, and then, you know, go ahead and say the Rams were giving a C for trading for Stafford. So, okay. Lots to unpack here. I probably should have started the whole thing by reminding people what the trade entailed uh, because it's been a few days. So Rams gave up two firsts and a third and Jared Goff for Matthew Stafford, which um, from the Rams perspective, it's, it's a, it's just a player talent. Uh, bet right so financially um, they're both taking about 20 low 20 million dollar cap hits this year the Rams did it and because they think Matt Stafford is enough of an upgrade at quarterback to put their team over the edge um, and they're giving up the draft picks in exchange for it they both both teams I think have a little bit more cap flexibility than one might think uh, on the other side of this the Lions did it because they don't really care about winning now. They think Jared Goff's okay. I really believe that from what I've heard. And they wanted the draft picks. So back to the Rams. To me, the analogy I've used, it's kind of like the Rams are drag racing. And this is entirely based on my viewings of Fast and Furious franchise. Okay. They said, all we need is an engine. The rest of the car is probably going to get a little rusty because we don't have money or draft picks to fix it. Um, but... We think upgrading our engine is going to be enough. So they're going to pull in and it's going to start getting rickety. But this is the most important part of the car. And this analogy made a lot of sense when I started it. I'm not sure it's holding, but I think you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, that, that's assuming obviously the defense has no regression, right? Which no, no, I no. Think- the defense is regressing. It's That's the rust on the car. So, okay, okay, so that, yeah, yeah. So the engine is... I don't know, know if it was like they're like <laughs> no, no, older no, no, off no, no, the no, line. No, Stafford is the like- engine. Everything okay. else is going to rust. So look, the defense is going to be worse next year. I'm just going to say it. Now, the question is how worse? I think it's up for debate. They lost their defensive coordinator, Brandon Staley. Um, they're probably going to lose one of, if not both of, John Johnson and Leonard Floyd. I think John Johnson, the safety is 
the impactful loss. I think you put anyone on the defensive line next to Aaron Donald. Uh, they've got two generational talents in Donald and Ramsey, but we saw what happens when one of those generational talents gets injured in this defense against Green Bay. Defenses tend to regress year to year. All that said, I still... So, yes, their defense is going to regress, but hell, their defense was going to regress even if they kept Jared Goff Correct. and used one of those draft picks. So I think the upgrade at quarterback is worth it in the short term. In the long term... There's going to be pain. Absolutely. No question. But in the short term, the question then becomes, and this is what I want to ask you, how much better of a quarterback is Matthew Stafford? We know he pushes the ball downfield way more. Uh, last season on 15-yard throws, he averaged nine intended air yards per attempt, which ranks sixth. Jared was below Teddy Bridgewater and Ben Roethlisberger, so you can imagine where that ranks. Um, Matt Stafford, we've seen, can create – uh, outside of structure, Jared Goff consistently cannot like do like wh- if you had to rank these quarterbacks, you can do it a, a five to like a five range. You know yeah. where would you put them? I, I think the last thing you mentioned is the most important thing that that they're missing in this offense is kind of the the ability to make plays late in the down to avoid pressure. Um, just when things break down to make a play, because Jared Goff is a very structured quarterback, right? If things are not good around him, he's not as good. And, you know, if the look is not what he thought the look was going to be, he's not as good. And I think Stafford gives them the upside of, hey, we can make a play if it breaks down. We can get him out of the pocket a little bit more. I know they rolled out Jared Goff a fair amount of times, but I mean, more like actually a guy that can, can move a little bit out of the pocket. And a guy who's a gamer, man, like he's played hurt, He's played on bad teams. I think he'll be rejuvenated by getting the opportunity to play for Sean McVay and play for his organization and play with the weapons that he has. Um, I, it's, we'll find out, and I, you know, that we've slowly started to debate, you know, kind of the legacy of Matt Stafford. I think the last couple of years, as his numbers continue to rise, because he'll be, you know, top three passing by the time he retires. And this is now his opportunity to show us whether or not he's a Hall of Fame quarterback. In my opinion, I, I look. I'm not. I'm not Dan Orlovsky. I'm not going to like love on Matt Stafford as much as other people will. And I love Dan for that. He's loyal to his friends as he should be. Um, you know, but he's an upgrade over Jared Goff. I think in every category you could ever want for a quarterback. Is he, is he better than Russell Wilson in the division? No. Um, but I think Sean McVay looks at it as like you mentioned, an upgrade at the most important position in all sports. And if the defense just is top 10, not number one or number two, and our offensive line stays healthy, and we run the football, and everyone stays healthy, our offense can be top 10 too, and we'll be very balanced come playoff time. And that's ultimately why I'm, again, in favor of the trade from the Rams' perspective, because, like, look at the, the forget the Super Bowl, look at the final four teams. You need a quarterback. And defenses, I mean, heck, you know, they're really, when once we got to the final four, all the defenses were not elite. I mean, the Bucks' defense is good. They've been inconsistent. They have some elite aspects to them, I suppose. But, um, you know, the best defenses were knocked out. There's no telling what the Rams' defense will look like next year. They have two transcendent players, and they will continue to be transcendent if they're healthy. But there's just – if you don't have one of those quarterbacks, you're always going to have a ceiling on your team. So – it, they 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 realized correctly that they were not in position to advance with Jared, and then they saw this as their best opportunity to upgrade, and I respect that. Now, before we wrap and get back to the game, the Super Bowl, I do want to ask you from the Lions' standpoint, 
Um, obviously, very different timeline, very different interests. Uh, they're rebuilding. Stafford wanted out. They got a pretty nice return from him. That said, like, are you happy if you're a Lions fan with how this shook out? You know, it's really interesting. Lions fans are super excited for Dan Campbell. I, I don't know, man. I mean, I, I've never seen a press conference like that, but maybe <laughs> he's different than other coaches that have had bad bad press conferences. Um, I, I think if you're a Lions fan, you know, you've been promised the future for a while now, and it finally feels like maybe they're going in that direction, right? They got rid of Stafford. Um, you have draft picks now. You have a new quarterback. It does feel like hey, we've moved on from the old Lions. Hey, we're going to be the new Lions now, right? And that starts with, with getting rid of Stafford. If you kept Stafford there, not to the fault of his own, but if it would feel like the same old Lions, right? And now you have an opportunity to start brand new. If you want to keep Jared Goff or get yourself a, a, you know, another another quarterback in this draft, go ahead and do so. Um, and so I think they're in a better place just because they basically have broken off from the old lions and can now focus on being the new lions. Hmm. But again, I just don't have much faith in Dan Campbell. I, I know that, you know, people hate to, to pass judgment on press conferences. And, I, and we really shouldn't. I don't think it matters very much, but I don't know, man. I, I, like, I just, I do like their staff. So they have a good staff, but again, the, the, you know, the guy putting it all together is, is in, in ultimately the head coach. Oh, look, Anthony Lynn is a great OC. I think like, I think that's a good hire. Weird um, fit with Goff though. Uh, now, now that you, I, I don't know. I haven't, kind of wrestled with that yet. I was just kind of thinking about the trade. I, I haven't thought about Jared Goff in this offense and what is it going to look like, but like Anthony Lynn and Jared Goff is an odd, I mean, yeah. he's got to be the least mobile quarterback he's ever worked with. I mean, we'll, I mean, we'll, we'll see obviously how that works. So one thing I found so fascinating about this trade is how everyone is like poor Jared Goff. Like this is the NFL, man. Like you, if you don't perform, yeah. you're going to get rid of you. And he's, he had made a Super Bowl. He's had an opportunity in, in LA to do it. And, they upgraded. Like it's just he's still getting paid millions of dollars to play next year in Detroit, and maybe he gets dealt somewhere else. Um, I do worry about his kind of his psyche, though. I don't. I don't really. Um, this could be bad. I, I. I think it could be bad for him mentally. We'll see. Obviously, when we get to August and, and, and September, Detroit isn't. And I played there for just an off season. I was just there for training camp in in 2016. Mina, our first home preseason game was our second game of the preseason. We went three and out. And they booed us. And so I turned to one of the players who'd been there a while. Maybe it was it was Ebron or uh Dan Molbach, the the you know, the long snapper forever. And I was like, Am I hearing what what I'm hearing? They're like, Yeah, they're booing us. Like it's just a different beast in Detroit. We got booed on the first three and out of the first home preseason game. <laughs> well, I will say Jared Goff had like the worst rookie season of all time and bounced back. So the dude is resilient. Yeah, um, but I, I think McVeigh, um, I know people hate like saying that he's a genius. And I'm, I think that word is thrown around too much, though. I think that his system was really beneficial to golf. For I mean, sure, he was telling them to sure. play until 15 seconds left. I mean, we all know that. Like, that's a – a lot of coaches don't do that. I've been on those headsets before when I've been hurt. And, like, they just give you the play and that's it. There's no other thing they tell you. Like, hey, uh, you know, yeah, right. You know, two jet, I'll go special. And you just figure out on your own. Well, I'll just say this. I forget him. Jared is – whatever. He'll be fine. But the Lions are in a really unique position because they picked seventh this year. Um, and with this trade, it's not like they went out and got another first this year. They have two future firsts, but that does give them ammunition to move around in the draft if they so desire. If they are in love with a Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Justin right. Fields, it's in play. They, they'll have to move around. And it's, so I, I think for Brad Holmes, who drafted Jared Goff and his Alliance GM, he he didn't draft him. He worked for like he was the director of college scouting for the Rams. Yeah. But my point is, 
he's got an interesting decision to face. Like, when does the future in Detroit start? Does it start this year? Or do you, they're probably gonna be bad. Let's be real. So is it next year? And then you've still got picks. And do you count on next year's quarterbacks? And I just think they're gonna, I don't think, I don't know what the right answer is. I haven't like really evaluated the quarterbacks yet. or And I don't know um, yeah, obviously I, what Detroit thinks, but I, I that's, they are a team to keep an eye on, Jeff, in terms of timelines, because they can move on from Jared Goff pretty easily in two years. Right. I'm not sure they even know what they're going to do yet because, you know, they probably haven't been, you know, they just, they got their staff together. They probably haven't done a full evaluation yet of the quarterbacks from this class. And they definitely have not even thought yeah. about the quarterbacks next year either. So I'm not sure they know what they're going to do. And this may be why they wanted to make this trade so early. People have asked why this was done so early, probably just to move on from Stafford and have no doubt about because look if you keep Stafford till like free agency time and you have done now two months of research on the quarterbacks maybe you think okay you know what let's just keep Stafford because we don't really like you know Zach Wilson as much or Justin Fields or Trey Lance we'll just keep Matt Stafford then you kind of like I mentioned earlier the same old Lions you make this trade now you break away from him and now you have a, a full you know what three months to decide if it's Jared Goff if it's a young cat or maybe it's both and you have time to figure out what you want to do and Goff is, look, I've criticized him as much as anyone. He's competent, okay? So, like, he's a competent yeah. NFL quarterback. So, if you are to draft, like, a very raw quarterback, like a Trey Lance, he can sit for a year. You know what I mean? So, it's an interesting position. We'll talk about that more. But it's Super Bowl week. So, we're, we're going to get take a quick break and then get back to the Super Bowl. <laughs> All right. So, we talked about the Chiefs offense and the Bucks defense. I want to flip it now. Um, this was an interesting rewatch week 12, Jeff, because it was really a tale of one quarter and three quarters. I, I mean, I'm not, it's not like Tom Brady lit the Chiefs on fire for three quarters, but, um, you know, the, the Chiefs were so dominant in the first half of this game that you kind of felt like the Bucks slipping. And I, I think what was most interesting to me about this game is how fearless the Chiefs defense was the first time these teams played, um, how relentlessly they blitz Brady. And through much of the game, especially the first half, they had a ton of success doing so. Um, and I, I want to say Brady struggled with the blitz. The entire Bucks offense seemed yeah. out of sorts, including, you know, the backs and line. Um, and then they kind of figured it out as the game went on. Do you think, oh, and I should I should note, this is a stat that I thought was great. I mean, so they, they blitzed Brady on 48% of his dropbacks, which is the most he's been blitzed in a loss in 11 years. Okay, So yeah. it was crazy. And he threw two picks. He threw three picks against the blitz in every other game this season. Do you think Spagnuolo takes a similar approach? Or do you think the fact that the Bucks kind of figured it out towards the end of the game might make him modify that? Well, I think we look back to what happened last week. Uh, in week six against the Bills, right? I'll go all back to week six now. The Chiefs, I think, blitzed Josh Allen on 15 of 31 dropback passes. And they did the exact same thing against the Bills yeah, in the in the, in the NFC Like it wasn't it wasn't a surprise. They blitzed his they they blitzed they pressured his throwing hand the entire game. And the Bills had no answer except one play. And Devin Singletary dropped that pass against pressure, and the game kind of flipped after he dropped that pass. I think he, he didn't play the rest of the game either, I don't think. Um, and so Tampa knows what they're going to do because not only that is that when Spags, as the Giants D coordinator, played Tom Brady in 07 in the Super Bowl, guess what they did? 
they pressure Tom Brady. Like, this is what they're going to do. So the question becomes, what is Tampa going to do to counter? Now, the Chiefs secondary plays far better in these moments than the numbers show. Like, I, I don't really – it's hard to explain their defense because they're terrible in the red zone, worse than the NFL. Uh, they're not particularly good on third down. They don't like their pressure rate on defensive line, not very good, right? Um, they're really good against a deep pass, though. They're, yes. It, it's the second Fourth in EPA, pro- yeah, or, which is yeah, really good. Very good, yeah. But like, you just look at them and you're like, what, how, where do they keep doing this? And, and so uh, I think they do that because they just play good, sound football. And Spax is a great coach. And Honey Badger just does so much for them. Um, and so if you're Tampa Bay, you know they're going to pressure you. How are you going to mitigate it? Are you going to screen pass? Are you going to play action pass? Are you going to have hot insight answers? Which they haven't. Honestly, I remember talking to mostly Dan about this. I talked most of my quarterback stuff with him because I don't really know any other quarterbacks that that know it as well. Like I all, all season, the first few months of the year, I was like, why does Tampa have no answers to pressure? What is like they never had it all year. Then after the bye, they just figured out how to do it. Um, and so I think we'll see a different Tampa offense. If they don't change, they won't have a chance to win the game. But I want to give you one specific matchup that I think, and we talked about the other inverse of this, which Chiefs O-line, Bucks D-line. Tampa's offensive line is really good. They have three mm-hmm. players that could easily be all pros in the left guard, the center, and the right tackle. But the right guard is a backup. Alex Kappa, their starter, got hurt against Washington. Yeah. Chris Jones is going to have a huge. You know game. what? I keep saying that though about Aaron Stinney, who's the he was like a practice squatter, and he's actually acquitted himself. Now again, he hasn't played Chris Jones, who's and, and the Chris second best Tom, defensive tackle in the NFL. And Chris and Tom have like a thing too. Whenever they play, um, <laughs> that I that's like kind of fun to watch. Like they talk a bunch of shit to each other. But I will say. Ryan Jensen, if you guys don't know Ryan Jensen, you'll meet him. Oh, my God. he The big red. He's um, been gobbling dudes. Ryan Jensen and Chris Jones might punch each other in the first <laughs> drive of the game. So then you guys know, watch, watch oh! the center and Chris Dude. Jones. Dude. Um, oh, my God. And so that like, I think they're going to try to – if I was – I know what Ryan's going to do. I know, I, I know I've know i seen – I've seen him play for many years now. He's going to try to get under Chris Jones' skin and try to get him off his game because I think that's a really tough matchup for – the Bucks right guard. Like it's just it's it, yeah. and Chris Jones played really well last year. He affected the game in, in the Super Bowl last season. And he plays really well in big in big games. And so I'm curious to see what Tampa does to slow him down. Because if you get home with Chris Jones, you don't have to bring pressure, right? And that yes. obviously makes you a better a better team. So I'm just curious what's going to happen there. He's really their only reliable pass rusher at yes. Kansas City. I mean, so first of all, Chris Jones was ridiculous in week 12. Uh I mean, he's like always he's very, very, very good. At I think he plays better in big games. He he's huge and he's been crazy good in the postseason. But um, part of the reason why you and I both expect Spags to blitz so much. Remember when you teams were like totally afraid to blitz Brady? It's really not the case this year. He's just not as good against the blitz as he was when he was younger, and he's still a very, very good quarterback. The arm is still great, but um, that fear isn't the same. And it's also because they just don't have like the Bucks defensive line is you know their standard rush is much better. Um, the, with, uh, the chiefs too, like you can't count on, you can't like play a bunch of games on front up front because Brady gets rid of the ball so quickly. So you can't count on Chris Jones and I don't know, Frank Clark, you know, executing a perfect stunt or whatever. Like, it's just not going to work out half the time. Um, and you know, I, I think it's, sometimes it's a bit of a gamble, but more often than not, it works out against the Bucks, even if they've figured out sort of 
yeah. how to actually handle the blitz as the season has gone on. And, and this is a game, by the way, you talked a little bit about the answers that Brady's found as the season has gone on. God, this is a matchup where he could use James White. So the Chiefs' defense. The 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 Bucks. When you said that the Bucks, that even though they have answers, it still has not been as good. It's because they can't. The running backs can't catch the ball. They they they're just you know this it's drop city one and you know Ronald Jones. That's just not his game. Leonard Fournette. I I, w- I will say two of Leonard Fournette's best games as a receiver have been in the postseason this year. He's been better. But the playoff Lenny is real. But the Chiefs' defense, um, they're phenomenal uh, in terms of EPA, EPA per play against receivers, fourth in the NFL, 18th against tight ends, and 31st against running yeah, backs. They, they so, the most running, most yards to running to running backs in the NFL in the past game. I mean, this is one you could totally see this hinging on like a couple big Leonard Fournette. Is he going to catch that? You know, like, if Celebrity caught the ball last weekend, yeah, that game is. It's different. Like, it's totally different. And there will be, I'm telling you, there will be opportunities for Fournette and Jones in the past game. The question obviously becomes, will they catch the football? Because again, like a big out, like when, when you bring pressure a lot of times, the back leaks out, especially in empty, sometimes the, the defense doesn't see that guy. And that's a lot of times a lot of confusion happens. And a lot of big plays against pressure are made because the back is by himself. And I, I, I will assume in this game, that'll happen one time. We saw it happen against the Bills that the guy the guy is wide open and is for not going to catch that ball and make them pay because if you make them pay two or three times the defense is not going to do that anymore. You know they they don't want to get beat deep um, and they have to find and that's the best way to do. It. They also have done a good job with with Gronkowski coming in to block against zero pressure. Sometimes there is one thing that, that no one has done this year that I'm really I, I'm curious if someone's going to do in the Super Bowl. It's it's and we we practice it. I remember only one team I ever practiced on was the Chiefs in 2013 with Andy Reid, all the way back then, is basically against zero pressure. Like the the so zero pressure for those who don't know, it's you know everyone who's not guarding someone is is pressuring, right? So you have one more, you bring one more guy that the offense can block. Is you basically have a running back or tight end like hit their guy, so the guy blitz, so he comes and you just pop in the middle of the field really quick. It's really hard to do the timing to time it up, but there's literally nobody on that guy. And I wonder if like Tampa tries to do empty every little option possible in this game to get guys open. Because if you take like, you know, Gronkowski and he just, you know, he hits his linebacker who's blitzing and just pops the middle of the field, the linebacker's, he's running to get Tom Brady. Um, and so I wonder if they they do, they bring out everything possible, everything in the playbook, everything anyone has ever done against pressure this weekend. Well, it, man, if and if you want to, well, first of all, uh, Gronk's been an incredible blocker this year. And I'm like, if if there's one thing to exploit on this Chiefs defense, it's that linebacking group. Uh, whether it's running the football or in coverage, uh, that is an area that Tampa could take advantage of. Um, now, Ta- Tom has been since Week Twelve has been phenomenal at throwing the deep ball. You mentioned earlier that Kansas City has been very good at defending yeah. the deep ball, and and I think last week Juan Thornhill was the best player in the football field on defense. Uh, he was tremendous, which is so um, important for Tyron Matthew, the honey badger, because now that Thornhill has returned to form, it allows Matthew to freelance and, you know, and just he's devastating. So do you think like if from the perspective of the chiefs, how do you approach coverage we talked a little bit about the pass rush and we expect spagnolo to blitz brady at the same rate as he did last time how do you think they're going to approach the back end 
Yeah, I mean, you know, they play a lot of that single high robber, right? When they bring pressure and kind of let Matthew figure things out. And Brady's good I, against. <laughs> I really think that the, web, the 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 two tight ends are going to be a huge part of this game. I think you have to attack the Chiefs linebackers. Um, and you have to find a way to make the middle of the field, you know, kind of be your your place to live when there's pressure. And I think the Chiefs know that as well. I also think, look, Mike Evans, go win some 50-50 balls, man. Like, that's mm. what they pay all that money. Like you, so there's there's many different ways to to defeat the pressure. And part of it is guys just making plays, but also I think attacking the middle of the field as as best as you can. And then we mentioned like the backs have got to catch the football. It's it's very simple. Um, you know, Antonio Brown, is he is he playing? I believe he's playing. He's questionable, but I'm sure. I, I just you know, it's interesting. I don't know. Um, you know what what his role will be in the slot. The Chiefs are not very good defending slot the, the slot wide receivers I think, mm. either. So that's something. The middle of the field is a really good place for Tampa to live, and you know, it doesn't force Brady to stretch his arm out to the sideline, which we've seen this year has been some of a problem. Those, those far hash throws to the sideline, um, just kind of live in the middle of the field. But again, you know, Teron Matthew kind of just wanders around the middle of the field too. So. It's a really fun, a really fun game uh, from an X and perspective with the Chiefs defense against the, the Tampa offense. I think the other side we talked about earlier, it's just more of just like a physical matchup. This feels like the one where we get to see, you know, Spags against Brady, against Arians, against Leftwich. And I thought last weekend, or I guess no, I keep saying last weekend, two weekends ago, Byron Leftwich might call his best game. I mean, they the variety with which they did things and the the play action pass on on first and ten with like two and a half you know two minutes and two seconds left I thought was a great call they snuck out the tight end later in the game uh, you know Fournette missed the pressure and Brady threw a pick I get yeah. that on that one call um, I saw his his game he just called a, a great game oh, the first down runs are annoying um, <laughs> gotta stop doing that but maybe this is the week where they you know use that to their advantage and hit a bunch of play action passes early in the early in the down. Ugh, I hate, like, I don't want to become a parody of myself and just say more play action every time, but the Bucks really should use more play action. It's like, it's very confusing why they do it. I don't we, understand it. We, action pass is my favorite thing's offensive alignment to do because I am big, slow. I was, I am still big, slow, and fat, but like, I get to, I get to go get my hands on someone right away in pass protection. And I got to sell my big ass, get to sell run. And those are big explosive plays. Like they're a lot of fun because you know, if you can block, you're going to get 12 to 15 yards and maybe a touchdown. And I wish more teams would do, would do is would, would do more of it. And, and Tampa Bay got better on offense when they started using more play action pass, because it really, especially in 12 personnel puts the defense in a lot of trouble. You're going to play nickel. Are you going to play big? Well, then big, you have to guard your tight ends with linebackers, nickel, that you have advantage in the run game. Like, so it puts defense in a bind to play, you know, to play action pass out of 12 personnel. And it just, if Brady has time, he's phenomenal. Like, yes, it, but that's just it. That's like, okay. If, you know, rush with four is one cliche. The other one is going to be like Brady with time, Brady, pressured or not. I mean, you, you, you talked a little bit about Mike yeah. Evans winning 50-50 balls. I think one thing that jumped out again in week 12, but as all season, like if the Chiefs are going to concede those deep go routes on the sidelines, if Brady has time, he will hit those. Oh, yeah. He has th- like you saw that in the um, first half of the NFC championship. He threw some dimes. It, one was actually quite under pressure. But for the most part, if he is kept clean, he will not only carve you up, he will carve you up downfield. But if Legereus Need is in his face, if Chris Jones is barreling up the middle, yeah. 
he will underthrow that ball and you will have a pick opportunity. So oh, yeah. it is to me all about whether or not Brady has someone in his face or the coming up behind him. And that's really going to, you know, it, it, yeah. it's that's the ball game right there. I just love how football can be really complex and really and really uh, and really you know, tough to learn, and there's a lot of complexity about it. But also can be really simple. Hey, just hit Tom Brady or don't hit him. Like that's like that's like that's the thing. You know, hit Pat Mahomes, and even if you hit him, he can still make plays. But like even for Tom, it's very simple, right? If you hit Tom Brady, you win the game. If you if you don't mm-hmm. if you can't hit him, probably gonna lose. Like it's it's like it can be so complicated, but also yet very simple. Do Do you think the Chiefs they they use a ton of dime? Against yeah. Buffalo with uh, Matthew Thornhill and then um, uh, Daniel Sorensen's the third safety, yeah. and they kind of they third gave game. they gave the Bills a lot of light boxes as well, and the Bills can't run the ball, but the Bucks are better at running the ball, tenth in DVOA. Um, I think so, that's how Tom Ed. That feels right. And the Chiefs notoriously are bad at stopping the run because they don't care. They just do not care. They've like, recognized that it is not <laughs> what they do. Do you expect um, a similar game plan from? Spagnolo in terms of having those safeties on the field? I, I think so. Unless they want to play 12 personnel with bigger players, uh, which I think I think they I think they will have two two options up and just seeing how the Bucs play. If the Bucs run the ball a bunch, maybe they you know, but look, the running the ball thing is really interesting because you know, run defense for the Chiefs doesn't matter because they've they're ahead at the end of every game, right? So why do we care about we have to rush the passer the last quarter of the game? We're not trying to stop the run, right? So I think the Chiefs just don't care. If, if Tampa wants to run the ball, then be be our guest. Just keep running the ball and we'll score 35 and you'll score, you know, 27 running the football. Like they just mm-hmm. it's not what they really care about. And you know, we talk about Chris Jones in the in the run game. He could be excuse me, the pass game. He could be had in the run game. He don't care about yes. stopping the run. He doesn't care at all about stopping the run. Um and so, you know, there's there's many many advantages for for Tampa. Uh, they are a fairly simple run game, you know, like duo inside zone, and uh, you know, every now and then they run, they pull a guard, but that's about it. Um, so I think they're going to run the ball for sure. It's, the Chiefs have to figure out what they want to do. I think they'll have many things possible and up, but I think they start out in that kind of big nickel, big dime, and go from there. Because again, it, they want to stop all the deep passes from Tom Brady and Gronkowski and Bray. Yeah, be our guest. Put our run defense to the test. All right, so the Bucks are better in the trenches on both sides of the football. Do you think they can win this game and pull off the upset? Uh, look, I thought they'd lose to the Saints and the and the Packers, so I, I don't really – to say the Chiefs are going to win. Here's the way I, I look at this game from the simplest angle of who's going to win is the Chiefs can play a B game and win. Tampa can't, right? So – I think Tampa has to have kind of all these check marks hit. And if Kansas City plays their A game, doesn't matter if the check marks hit, Kansas is still winning. But I keep thinking back to last year, right? The Chiefs were, I think, better offensively a little bit last season, according to DVOA, right? And they had a better offensive line. Um, and they only had 10 points through 53 minutes of the game last year. Pat Mahomes mm. did not terribly good the first 57 minutes of the game or 53 minutes of the game. And I'll tell you, if Tom Brady's up, 20 to 10 in that game. He's winning that game, guys. Like he's hitting a wide open Kittle on a follow route. Like it's that's who the play was designed for. And he would hit him. He was wide open. Yes. Yeah, Jimmy G threw the ball to Sanders or whoever was on the outside and he missed him by seven yards. If if Sanders is streaking open on a post, Tom Brady's gonna hit him for a touchdown. Like, so I think that I keep saying I think the Chiefs are gonna blow him out, which I really really they, they, they have the capability to do that. 
But I keep going back to last year and how Tampa has played this year. I think at three, at, at plus three and a half, I think I would take Tampa to cover the game. Just I think everyone's betting on the Chiefs. I think there's more of a chance the Chiefs blow them out than Tampa wins, though. Interesting. I I think Kansas City wins, but that offensive line makes me nervous. I could just I Jeff, I could just see this playing out like last year. I don't know why. Yeah, As it, we've it, talked about it, I've it, just it's been in my head like I could just totally see a weird start and stuff gets kind of funky the, early on. And Chiefs offensive line last year was good, right? Right and good. And yeah. I know Nick Bosa. The, the 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 Bucks don't have a Nick Bosa, but JPP ain't bad, dude. He is and, balling. Couldn't you just see like a so well. Shaq Barrett strip sack in the first quarter and the weird special teams? Yeah, Holmes has been beat up a little bit this year, like getting hit and stuff. <laughs> there definitely is potential for this, but then the Chiefs could come out and score fourteen points in the first two drives, and it's over. Like it can be. Well, that is also true. Nothing about the, about playing the Chiefs is why it's so tough. Is that it? You just you cannot let up for one second because if you let up for one second, they're going to score a touchdown and the game has changed. I'm going Chiefs 31, Bucks 27. I took 38. I took Chiefs 38, Bucks 27 today. 38? Yeah, 38, 27. You are a maniac, but you could be right. You could be a genius. After a bye throughout <laughs> the Browns game because the Mahomes got hurt, but after a bye, the Chiefs have scored at least 31 points in six games with Mahomes and, and Andy Reid. Um, I respect the courage. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, we'll. Uh, if you're right, I'll have you on soon. If you're wrong, okay. I'll, be, I'll give you some space. Um, you. <laughs> but uh, as, as always, before I let you go, uh, we got to do. And now it's time for Dinks and Dunks. I'm getting paid for this, right? Five more questions. Dinks and okay. Dunks is presented by DraftKings, America's top-rated daily fantasy app. Download the DraftKings app today and use code Mina to get in on all of the action. Jeff. Uh, we're going to talk about Deshaun Watson approximately 1,000 times over the next month, and we're uh, largely giving listeners a break from that as we focus on the Super Bowl. But let me ask you this. Where, if you just from a pure football fan's perspective, would you like to see Deshaun Watson play? Oh, San Francisco. <sighs> I feel like my last guest did this too, and I made the same sound as a Seahawks well, fan. That's like my yeah, worst nightmare. You know, I'm, you know, I'm right. it'd be, Kyle Shanahan and Deshaun Watson would be unfair to the NFL. Bo- it, just bo- would not, it, it would be you, they. It would be bad. I don't like that. I don't like it at all, um, which means it is your, it's a good answer. Um, okay. Question two. Who is your oh, – the weekend is playing Super Bowl. The, you know that song, the weekend song? I don't, I don't think I can sing Lighting it. Lights? Yes. Is it in your head like, literally every – hour of every day like it is yeah, so it's, on, it's on like 24 7 okay yeah. who is your dream super bowl performer Ooh, oh i said this before i would a hologram tupac would be good for me <laughs> such a weird answer just like, like 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 have the whole gang like have snoop and dre which i hope he's feeling better i've been seeing an update on him in, in a couple of weeks his health and snoop like have the whole crew just like just come out with with a hologram uh, Tupac. I mean, it wouldn't be safe for the kids to watch a halftime show, but I would thoroughly enjoy it. Okay. Mm, I don't know about that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not for everyone. I just said, you asked me what I would like to see. I just what I like to see. Uh, it is interesting. I, now that I don't go to the game anymore, I just, I watch it from home. We're doing shows in Tampa, but uh, I don't actually cover the game. I actually get to watch the performers. And it's much, it's always much better on television than it is in person. So last year was good. We were, it was the first game I ever attended, obviously. That Shakira and Je- you couldn't hear anything, but it looked like it was fun. Yeah, it was good. It was great on TV. It was awesome on TV. Um, okay. <laughs> Question number three Would you rather take 
a six-hour road trip with Tom Brady and Andy Reid or Patrick Mahomes and Bruce Arians? Um, Mixed it up for you there. Made it tricky. I would probably I would do I would do Andy and Tom just because to hear Andy and Tom give their food takes would just be gorgeous. <laughs> such opposite ends. I I um that's a good one. My brother, good my brother tells a story about about Andy Reid's favorite. He likes a chili reno burrito. It's like a burrito wrapped in like a chili reno. It's it's incredible. Um, but you know, the first year I was in Kansas City, I was the only year I was there in 2013. I didn't really know Andy very well. It was Memorial Weekend. I'd been there a couple of weeks, you know, in the offseason. We're at the airport and his wife, Tammy, who's fantastic, comes over to me and it's like, Hey, are you in the Chiefs? I was like, Hey, yeah, it's you know, Jeff. And he's oh, coach, you know, Andy's over here. And like, so I and I started talking and Andy knew, and he'd only been in Kansas City since what, like January, February. This is now May, more weekend. He knew the exact times the burnt ends were ready at every <laughs> barbecue spot in the city. Like that is incredible. He, like, his passion for food is unbelievable. It would be a fun, fun ride. We talk about food for six hours. I love that so much. Okay, one more Super Bowl question before we get to Lenny's question. Um, give us an outside pick for MVP. Oh, I, I, Chris Jones plus 1,200. Excuse me, They'll plus never 12, give 000. it to him. They'll never plus give 12, it to 000. him. Did you think he should well, have been the MVP last I mean, year? I think Nick Bosa should have been the MVP last year. That was, I think he should have been. Spicy. Um, I said that at the time. Like I just thought he was the best player on the field on uh, on Super Bowl Sunday. Now, Chris Jones is not going to win it, but you got to look. So, you know, it's it's Pat, Tom Brady. I mean, what would a running back have to do to out-duel those two guys? Um you know, wide receiver, you give it to a wide receiver, given it if Pat throws for 325 yards, he's getting it, not Tyreek Hill. Um, maybe Travis Kelsey, if he gets, you know, from the tight end position, 15 catches, which is a lot, obviously, and 175 yards, maybe he gets in three scores if he has some ridiculous game. Uh, defense doesn't feel likely, special teams not happening. So I just, I mean, Chris Jones might have two sacks and a forced fumble, and I don't know. I just thought that was outside the box. Plus 12,000. Oh, I do like those odds. All right, final question, as always, comes from Lenny. I didn't write it. I take no responsibility for it. Um, so Lenny first wants to congratulate you for being right about Justin Herbert. When Thank a you. A lot of people didn't Thank see you, it. Lenny. I appreciate it. But he would also like to point out that on June 30th, 2020, you tweeted, Josh Allen is not an accurate passer. Oh, Lenny's okay. mom has issued many apologies and retractions or <laughs> said, uh, given great praise to Josh Allen. Are you ready to apologize in the mini time show featuring Lenny? Uh, I have apologized. I'll do it again. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry that I did not see the most historic improvement ever <laughs> in accuracy over one entire season in NFL history coming from Josh Allen. I'm very... Sorry for that. I mean, it was incredible what he did. I, 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 I mean, the improvement has historic. There's no other way around. And anyone who said they saw this coming, you're just full of shit. You know? like, you did, you did. It had never been done. Uh, this improvement had never been done before. <laughs> and so he did a great job this year. Uh, but still, that that YOLO though, man, still there. Oh, you couldn't resist. You couldn't resist. And I was right. And I, I, I he just it's still there. It's still there. So, um, but yeah, he improved a lot. And the Bills obviously have a bright future with him. 